Okay, this is the next episode of 10 Questions, and this is Thinker, and I have Kat on the other end. Hi, Kat. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Oh, doing doing wonderful. Uh, as we were just talking about, you know, I started out the day with a little snow on the ground. Sounded like you uh, ended the day yesterday with uh, some other weather craziness, and yeah, it's uh, <laughs> days like that can be interesting. Yeah, um, we didn't get any snow down here, but we had some hail. Yeah, hell can always be interesting as well. I, I, I remember living in Arizona, and uh, yes, uh, a couple of the hell storms I ended up running to out there, especially the hell storms down in the Phoenix area. Man, people flipped out about those things. Oh, my God. Um, so I will uh, tell you, I was doing a little bit of uh, reading on your site before uh, or earlier today before – I got on the computer to talk to you, and uh, it kind of it, it, it kind of caught my uh, interest in uh, that. That uh, brought up question one for you is: um, are, are you are your question? The questions, uh, your answers for the the uh, questions that everybody wished they weren't asked at an interview. Have you really answered interview questions like that before? So uh, the blog post in question is the, the if I gave honest answers to biased security interview questions. And yes, I've, I've gotten every single one of those questions. Those are all real. Um, I think <laughs> the, uh, so what, I will say the jobs that I have had in security, uh, I don't think they've asked most of those questions, especially not the really bad ones. Um, one of the most uh, ridiculous ones that I can remember was um, people warned me about the what port does ping use. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I know it's a layer three protocol and whatever. <laughs> Great. So they can, but I, I know that the intent of that question is a bullshit filter for like, if somebody gives a, an answer, like they're talking out their ass, like, oh, it uses port three, three, eight, nine. No, that's another thing. Um, but yeah, what it really does is just knows it's really can you Google this? Do you like, yeah, it's silly. I, the one that sticks out in my head was that got the strongest reaction was um, did you used to take apart your parents' computers when when you were a kid? And first of all, that's a very loaded question because it's making a lot of assumptions for one thing about my age because computers didn't become a household item until like, some people had them in the 80s, but more so in the 90s. And we didn't have one in the house till I started middle school in the late 90s. And makes a lot of assumptions about your parents' income because uh, computers back then were pretty expensive. I think our first one, our fam first family computer was about $2,000 or so. And then makes assumptions about consequences for taking stuff apart. <laughs> some of it's about kids anyway, but some sometimes there were especially for expensive electronics, uh, sometimes you were kind of afraid to do that, especially if you kind of wanted to play with it. <laughs> so, yeah. But I said like, no, we didn't have a computer in the house when I was little and their facial expressions just dropped. And they were like, oh, <laughs> didn't get that job. Got a better one a few months later. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 I totally feel that question because uh, um, I, I uh, 
I had a computer, the first computer that was mine that I bought with my own money. I remember whenever it stopped working on me and took it to this repair shop and they said, oh, you your troubles with the motherboard. I had no idea what they were talking about <laughs> at that point in time. Um, and then, uh, and then uh, I was in a position, I kind of needed another computer and um, I got my parents' old computer and just had so much trouble with that because that was back during the days where everybody was doing peer-to-peer -peer file sharing like it was going out of style and nobody truly understood consequences of not having antivirus on their computer uh, yet, uh, including myself. Um, so that didn't hold over very well. So my, uh, my uh, dad's brother took a computer that was having issues. I forget where he got it from offhand, but he repaired it and gave it to me. And then I started having problems with that one. And finally, I was like, okay, I don't have the money to get another one. I need to figure this out. Somebody said motherboard about this one. I could swear if I had to guess the power button was having trouble in this one. Maybe if I open up both these computers, <laughs> I, I, I can make a working computer between the two of them. And somehow I did. That's awesome. <laughs> so uh, I, I've always enjoyed hardware ever since. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, it really speaks to the fact that crisis can make people really resourceful. Exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it, on that on that same blog post uh, referring to, uh, I, I think uh, what was the, the, I think the biggest one that stood out to me is the question of where do you see yourself in five years? And your your, uh, your retort you offered to that was not working for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I struggle with that one because especially working in security now um, for even when I was starting to get into security about five years ago, I could not have predicted myself here. I mean, the industry changes so much, interests change, the needs evolve. Like, <laughs> it's it's a hard question to answer confidently. Yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 I totally get that. Um, I, I've I even... I, I, guess go, I, I guess the things that I would want in five years might be in a job might not be specific to the job title or the the kind of environment because that can change but like you know it's it's a lot easier to say i want to work in a company that has a good culture i want to be able to build new process and stuff like that regardless of what whatever fancy blinky box is uh, the new hotness then yeah yeah no i i absolutely get that absolutely get that um Okay, so you said you were you were just getting into uh, security about five years ago. What officially question number two here? Uh, what what actually got you into technology in the first place? Um, so actually, that ties nicely back to being resourceful in a crisis. So I burned out of my first career um, when I graduated from college um, in. In a, in a recession and an election year, I thought I wanted to work in politics and I burned out of that after a few years working for the state legislature. Um, so I was trying to sort of retool what I actually wanted to be when I grew up um, while working in a state job and then a university job, uh, not in tech, I, um, but I was starting to teach myself how to code and self-teaching some other tech stuff on the side. I was also mm -hmm. dating someone who worked in security and knew a few people who worked in the tech world, like one of my old college roommates who worked for IBM. 
Um, and so I was just, I was meeting more people in the space and getting intrigued about what it actually meant to, to work in tech. Cause I kind of had this, this picture of myself as I, I didn't grow up with this as a kid. And so it's too late for me. I can't learn anything. I just will never know this, but um, the reality is really different. People come from all kinds of different backgrounds and I like the, uh, the aspect of it constantly changing and the fact that um, behind all of these technological issues to solve, um, there are a lot of cultural and societal things um, to tackle um, via mm -hmm. technology. And so that was kind of intriguing to me about security. So when I was going on all these, these self-teaching rabbit holes, I eventually figured out a few things. One, I hated my day job and I had a really toxic manager. And I was also not finding enough time to sort of self-teach in a way that I could make progress fast enough. Um, and part of that was the toxic job. I would come home and I would just like want to sleep or read or just not have a lot of brain cells left. <laughs> um, and so finally I was like, okay, I need to do something big. And so I finally decided I was going to get myself ready to leave my day job and go back to community college because my, um, my local community college back in Madison had a really strong uh, security program. And so that would be, you know, two years of my life where it would be pretty all-consuming um, with school and whatever internships I could cobble together. Um, but I I knew that it was going to be worth it because just self-teaching, going to cons um, was clearly not cutting it. And I think it paid off huge, huge in the long run. Um, it got me, I, I know it, people have different opinions on different kinds of educational paths, but mm -hmm. it was kind of what was in front of me. And what you get out of school isn't just the piece of paper, um, although that can be a good HR filter if you've caught it. but. It gave me access to resources that I wouldn't have had. Like my one of my first classes was um, intro to networking, where we can actually physically cable stuff together. And one of like our senior capstone class was security design, where we would work in a group and basically design a secure network. Now, minus a lot of the newer stuff like zero trust methodology and cloud stuff, but we had a, like a little <clears throat> data center where we would stand up. Um, firewalls and a web server and um, some VPNs and stuff. And so it was all the stuff that I wouldn't really have had uh, at home and at least not to the same extent because I would have only had my own perspective rather than pooling some of my knowledge with a group. And so that was the other thing. Um, Madison didn't really have a huge security community. And so being able to be exposed to other people who were learning was really helpful. Yeah, yeah, and it, as as much as uh, as much as uh, tech people uh, in general, and uh, uh, it seems like security people often to to are ones that don't tend to like to ask for help. It, it's very it is a very important thing to know that collective consciousness is is almost always a good thing in almost any situation. Absolutely. Um, okay. Um, all right, question number three, veering off course here. Uh, so um, being, uh, being in the hill country of Texas, surely you have been exposed to the barbecue down there. Yes. Um, have you uh, turned into a convert or do you have any love for any other barbecue or other major food types besides that? 
Oh man. So I grew up in Wisconsin, so we didn't really have great barbecue. Um, I've always been a fan of the central Texas style of barbecue when I've had it. Mm. Um, I haven't been to Franklin's yet, although one of my former coworkers gave me a gift card. So one of these days I've got to either place a big order and order ahead or just stand in line and bring a chair and some drinks. <laughs> um, but I really like Terry Black's barbecue. Um, and uh, there's a food truck that I just tried recently called Micklethwaite and their barbecue is very good too. I love brisket. Um, I like, I think, I so actually next month um, I'm taking a few days off from work um, and going to a few um, major barbecue spots in the U.S. as a way to see more states. So I'm going to go to like Memphis and Atlanta um, and uh, South Carolina and try a few more styles because mm -hmm. um, I haven't really had much of those. But um, I definitely like the Texas approach of good sauce shouldn't be covering up mediocre meat, right? The sauce <laughs> should be able to stand on its own. And I, I like that. Um, as far as other stuff, I've probably eaten, I've been here eight months and I've probably eaten, if not quadruple digits of breakfast tacos. And <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 I uh, have spent plenty of time further south in Texas and I, I know plenty of, uh, Plenty of what you speak. I I uh, worked uh, outside of Houston for a little while, and um, there's there's just a thriving uh, a, a thriving barbecue slash uh, almost uh, Czech or German uh, influence in the food yeah. uh, in that corridor between Houston and uh, Corpus Christi, and it's just. You know, it, it, so some, sometimes you'll run into pretty much the same thing no matter where you go to. But it's everything has its own twist. It's just it, it's all real good though. Mm -hmm. It's tasty. I haven't been uh, so I've only been to West Texas once, and it was El Paso. So I haven't really uh, sampled uh, what their barbecue is like out there. Um, yeah, I, I'll, I'll tell you one place to one place definitely to try. Um, it's not uh, any one of those like super stellar places by any means, but it's a good experience um, if you end up out uh, uh, past uh, Bastrop in Smithville. There's this place called Zimmer Hansel's. All right. Um, and uh, and uh, it's that they, they uh, run on a until we sell out method every day. Um, and it's I actually used to live out there as a kid and that's just one taste that, that, you know, those, those tastes are in my head. And, uh, anytime I've gone back, uh, as an adult, it's just, everything just comes flooding back every time I eat there. It's, uh, it's a really, really good, good, good place to try if you find yourself out that direction. Awesome. So, um, okay. Well, so staying with, uh, food, um, if we if we cross out breakfast tacos, because in the hill country breakfast tacos is a standard answer, what would be your favorite breakfast food? Aside from breakfast tacos, oh my god, um, I just like breakfast food. <laughs> I could eat it every meal of the day. Um, god, I really like like scrambles and frittatas that have good veggies in them. Um, I. I don't always eat pancakes, but when I do, um, really good fluffy pancakes with blueberries, um, 
I like biscuits. There's a lot of good places here to get biscuits, like really buttery, flaky ones. Um, do you do biscuits and gravy at all? I'm actually not a huge fan of white sausage gravy. Um, I just I would just take the biscuits with some jam. Um, God. Uh, oh, corned beef hash. I love corned beef mm. hash. Corned beef hash. Okay. Around here. Um. Well, it's a it, it's it sounds obviously like a. Uh, like your uh, experience growing up in Wisconsin uh, has uh, has shadowed that a little bit. Um, I, I I think I almost know the answer to this one too. Is staying on the food thing, but it's one I've used with a few people. The answer cheese. Brown gravy or white gravy? Brown gravy. <laughs> I figured that after after the answer to the biscuits and gravy. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's uh, it, it, it's amazing the uh, class of answers that you'll get right there. Um, it was uh, uh, Rando that uh, he was telling me about um, liking uh, cream chip beef. Wait, what? It, cream chip beef, basically okay. SOS. You you do you know what SOS is? Shit on a shingle. No. Okay. Well, I'll I'll let you Google that later. Really. Is that a? Eastern? It's it's a thing, especially if you ask any old school military vets. Um, they've definitely had it at some point in their <laughs> career in the military. Um, but no, whenever he whenever he told me about that, I was like, okay, so do you like cream gravy or, or brown gravy? And he's like, oh no, brown gravy, brown gravy by far. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, so another thing that I noticed whenever looking through uh, some of your blog posts is uh, is that you have a a avid love of reading, and that uh, it, it, it sounds like you picked that up from some advice that your dad gave at one point. Oh, yeah. So, well, I, I've always been a reader. In fact, I look at photo albums um, from when I was little and I got pictures of both my parents and my cousins reading to me. Um, I, I just always love it. But yeah, um, so I mentioned this quote in my blog post with like what I read last year. Um, my, I heard this story um, actually at my dad's memorial service from my cousin. Uh, my dad's cousin was the first time I had heard it. She um, was also a career changer. She went back to law school in her 40s. And um, law school is a pretty uh, arduous three years, as my many lawyer friends and my lawyer dad have told me. Um, and so she was asking him the summer before, what can I do to prepare for law school? And he said, Nan, read novels. <laughs> the, the, the undercurrent there was, you're going to be pretty busy for the next three years. You need to take some time to read for pleasure and just enjoy yourself and relax because uh, that's precious time that you're not going to have a lot of. And um, so I, I quoted this because I did a bunch of reading last year for the first time in a couple of years because um, when I was going back to school, I did definitely drop the amount that I read for pleasure because I was just trying to fill my brain with security stuff. I think if I if I could do it again, I would have still tried to make time for reading more, um, more that wasn't just like security blogs and tech books that were really heavy. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, I've just always liked that because I've the more I get, a, I don't know, as the years go on, I realize life doesn't really necessarily ever slow down. So you have to kind of intentionally carve out time for that sort of brain recharge and sort of, I don't know, immersing yourself in thinking about somebody else's words, somebody else's story, all of that stuff that's away from your job and your life. That's, uh, that's very true, very true. Um, what would you say probably is your uh, most favorite novel that you've ever read? Um, a few. One of my feel-good books that I go back to a lot is Good Omens, and I just finished watching the miniseries of that. And I think they, even though they deviated a little bit in the end from the ending, um, I still thought they did it justice. Um, it's just really entertaining. And two authors who I like both of their work working together, so I think they made something even better. It's Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett. Um, and it's highly entertaining. And I'm pretty sure that I picked up my heavy use of parentheses and footnotes from reading Terry Pratchett and maybe some Douglas Adams too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I also really uh, am a fan of Octavia Butler. Um, she was probably the first prominent um, black woman sci-fi author and mm -hmm. I read almost all of her stuff. Um, and I think Parable of the Sower is a dystopian of uh, parable is so and parable of talents are dystopia duo that's highly relevant to today's world in a lot of ways and she's she writes uh, she i don't know she she uses sci-fi as a method to sort of explore what if with regard to um various social issues which mm -hmm. is really cool because you've kind of got a blank canvas for your world and what's real and what's not and where the science is and I also think her characters are very smart and they're very self-aware and I like that. Okay, okay. Um, all right, diving, diving off down into the little rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> what was your favorite uh, band whenever you were in high school? Oh man. <laughs> um, there were a few years when I was really into the Bare Naked Ladies. I saw them twice when I was in high school. <laughs> um, I liked their songs a lot. And when I, I also started teaching myself how to play guitar in high school. And so I remember trying to teach myself a few of their songs, um, possibly with modified versions. Um, but yeah, I liked them. And part of it was too, like, I I don't know, they were, they were different. I There were a lot of songs about like, I don't know, true love and romance and all of this stuff. And I'm this awkward, like sort of artsy nerd and uh, Bare Naked Ladies were singing about depression and alcohol and stuff. And I'm like, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm trying to think who else I saw. In so this is eighth grade, but the first concert I ever went to was the Backstreet Boys. And I'm dating myself here. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. All right. Well, you, well, you said uh, you were a bit of an artsy nerd in high school. What, what was uh, what, what, what was your uh, nerd subclassification in high school? Oh, I had Where a <laughs> I did orchestra. I did choir. Um, I did theater, um, both acting and stage crew. Um, we, <laughs> yeah, stage crew was interesting. We we had a lot of fun. Uh, playing with power tools um, that they probably don't give high schoolers anymore. <laughs> 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 um, 
stuff with an adult in the room, but still like we had a big ass table saw. Um, it was fun. You know, we'd spend a Saturday painting a stage or like building giant sets that people used. It was, it was neat because neither of my parents is really, was really super handy with tools. Um, so it was fun. And we used to, we used to make a bunch of innuendo that high school kids did. Like we had, we were rebuilding our stage as a thrust, um, the, the part that juts out from the, from the walls. And we started saying a strong thrust is the foundation of a good performance. <laughs> we were teenagers. What can you do? Um, oh, of course. I think your original question was about nerdery. Um, I, yeah, so mostly of the, the various fine arts variety, um, a little bit of gaming to a lesser extent. Okay, okay. What'd you play in orchestra? Violin. Violin, okay. I had, I had one small stint in orchestra myself. Mm -hmm. um, the, uh, the orchestra director uh, always came to the band program to uh, fill out the, a, a symphony orchestra for a contest each year. Oh, yeah. And uh, whenever he came looking for people, one of those people that he needed was a piano player. And I, by no means, am necessarily, I, I, I will never brag about playing piano because I know what a piano is and how to sit down and know where the notes are, but that's about it. <laughs> I told the orchestra director, I said, you know, if you really need a piano player, I know how to do this. I know how to do this. I don't know how to do it together. And for those of you that aren't obviously seeing this, I'm just saying I can't play both of my hands at the same time. It's hard to make them go in sync. Like I took piano lessons for a hot minute and I could never get my left hand to cooperate. Well, I, the, the good thing was, is that the, that director said, you know what, I'll let you know if I need both hands. And the <laughs> only time it ever was, it was bass chord, bass chord, bass chord. And it was for about six bars. So I, I was able to, I was able to sit there play the right hand and turn the pages with my left hand the whole time. <laughs> So, oh not, not, not too bad, not too bad. And got to yeah. got to perform with them all spring, and that was fun. I, I've always enjoyed uh, orchestral music more than any other uh, music. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. It was I. I eventually stopped playing violin. Um, I got jaw issues and shoulder issues, um, mm. so uh, that kind of stopped it. But my I was always primarily. I, gravitated toward being primarily a vocalist anyway so okay good. all right um i'm drawing i'm drawing a blank i i i haven't been writing out my questions ahead of time because i've been doing halfway decent and then yeah now i'm drawing um, well, you know what? Now would be actually a perfect time to pull out the the old trusty um, you know, the old trusty phobia question. Oh God, that one! Yes, yes, that one, that I one. My phobias last night. Oh, okay, okay. I should have prepared. <laughs> okay. Well, it is the, the 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 standard ground rules for this question is not allowed to look it up. Just allowed to use whatever knowledge is in your head to figure out which one of these three would be the most uh, the, the, the most decent one to have if you had to have one of them. So um, let's start with, 
Ophidophobia. Um, papyrophobia. And scolionophobia. Huh. What was the first one again? Ophidophobia. Ophidophobia. I took French in high school and Spanish in college, and I'm trying to figure out what the Latin things of all of those are. So pyrophobia is fear of fire, and I definitely do have some of that. Um, I don't have candles in the house because I have cats. Um, what was the third one? Um, it was uh, scolionophobia. Okay. That sounds like fear of Antonin Scalia. I'm going to say no because he's dead and I'm not afraid of him anymore. Um, and the first one, um, ophidophobia. Um, I have no idea. So I'm going to go with pyrophobia because I am actually kind of afraid of fire, especially if it's indoors. I'm okay if it's a bonfire outside and somebody else is tending to it, but not going to lie. I'm glad I don't have a gas stove anymore. <laughs> Okay, so scolionophobia is fear of school. Whoa. Okay. Ophidophobia is fear of snakes. Okay. Now, I, I, I can see where you got pyrophobia from what okay, I said, but I just said, I just said papyrophobia. Papyrophobia. That's papyrophobia. Because it, because it, the 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 root going to the word papyrus, papyrus fear of paper, yeah, fear of paper. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm not really afraid of snakes, but I think now that I live in Texas, I probably should be. Well, and and also down where you are, I think there's a, I I, I think there's these uh fuzzy caterpillars that if they fall out of the trees on you, that they that uh they uh. They sting you with some kind of something venomous that doesn't kill you, but it, it but it does a number on you. Oh my god! Yeah, it's it's a central it's a legit central Texas thing. It sounds like a story out of Australia to me. Oh my god! My entire threat model of bugs has had to shift so much. <laughs> Between that and cedar season. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> no, I was. <laughs> At the end of the summer, I was like sitting down in a chair outside outside downtown where you don't think there's that much wildlife. And I got bit by a fire ant just sitting on the chair. Fire ants are not fun. Uh, my, my kid, whenever he was oh, about two and a half years old, ended up accidentally getting some fire ants and one got on his hand and just ended up going in circles and bit oh. all the way around. And he, he had enough bites on his hand and only being two and a half years old, um, it was enough where we were worried there for a couple of days that there was going to be bigger issues. But thank goodness it never amounted to anything more than he was upset at that point in time. Glad he's okay. Yes, me too. So, um, all right. Uh, well, I guess I, I guess another uh, another good question related to the the fact another thing that I was reading on your uh, site about uh, going from uh, obviously growing up in Wisconsin and then being in 
uh, Ann Arbor, I think it was, before you went to Austin. Which weather, which weather do you prefer? Do you, do, you, do you like the weather in Austin or do you still prefer the colder weather up north? I like the Austin weather and I've been here for a whole summer now um, and I survived it. Now, ask me that question again in the middle of July and maybe like, oh, it's now. But <laughs> no, I actually, you know, I, I lived in three Midwest states over three decades and I was just kind of ready for a change in the weather. Um, I I run a little bit cold normally, so like mm -hmm. 70 degrees out and all of a sweatshirt on. So I'm enjoying this. It's I'm told unseasonably warm here right now, but this is pretty nice. And I mean, one of the big things for me that I didn't even really realize fully until I got down here was I, I tend to get the, the winter depression a little bit, the seasonal affective disorder when the days aren't as long and there's not as much sunlight. Um, this was especially pronounced for the two years that I was in Ann Arbor because Ann Arbor, um, because it's positioning between the lakes, it doesn't get lake effect snow, but it has quite a bit of cloud cover about the same amount as Seattle. And mm -hmm. so especially in like the fall, there would just be 10 day stretches without seeing the sun. And it was pretty brutal, um, which I wasn't expecting. Um, and so here, the time when you most want to be outside is the winter, the days with the shortest amount of sunlight. And I can be active, I can go on a bike ride, um, it, and it's sunny for quite a bit more than it was in Michigan. And so that's done wonders for my mood. And when it's summer and it's 100 degrees outside, I can still sit outside under the mist fans with a cold drink, or I can sit inside in the air conditioning and look at the sun. So um, that's been a pretty nice change. I think when I, when I was applying for various jobs a few years ago in security, I, I looked in a bunch of different cities and one of them where I applied for a lot because there's a huge tech community is Seattle. And I, I think I made a good move by not moving there. I'd love to visit Seattle and I have a lot of friends, but I think the amount of sunlight would have been, would have been a little difficult for me, just the lack of have, have you uh, learned about the fact that that Texas has like seven seven different versions of summer and about five different versions of fall and maybe uh, half a version of winter? Just it does it just depend from year to year what you're going to get? It could depend on it depend on it from year to year. Mm -hmm. um, I, I well and shoot, I also remember as a kid. Um, you know, whenever we would uh, go visit uh, family um, in south part of the state and it would never fail that um, back up at home it was always it was always cold but it was just cold and it was that i-20 corridor where where there was always snow oh. so you get around the i-20 corridor there'd be snow you get north of there no snow just cold and that was it and that that was always tough. It's like, you, you want snow, you, you, you know, especially as a kid, you know, it's just like, Oh, I get to play in snow. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but, but no, yeah, it can, it could depend on, uh, depend on it from year to year. Um, I mean, shoot, even whenever I was down in South Texas, um, I think it was a uh, tropical storm bill. Um, and yeah, you, you know, you can, people can go look that up and, find where it was I'm talking about. They can know exactly where I was at the time, but I have no connections there anymore. So no big deal. Um, but uh, that was a fairly, um, that, that was a fairly uh, decent uh, uh, year 
at that point, and obviously a lot wetter, of course. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, probably, probably the only uh, the, the only uh, tropical cyclone I've ever uh, I've ever been in, where I literally have gotten flooded out of different spots. I mean, shoot, my uh, my thirty minute commute home from work was extended to two and a half hours because oh, okay. I had I had to take it, I you know the, the the storm was actually expected to come uh, uh, on the coast at like seven a.m. that morning. But it ended up taking a jog over and then coming up on the on the coast uh, in the afternoon. So I went ahead and went to work, and then they cut us all loose at one o'clock, and I had to go the other way up and around to get back to the town I lived in. Wow! Yeah, yeah. Oh um, <laughs> and the the funny thing on that is uh, is uh, the the house that I was renting at the time. It was on um, it, it was on a pier and beam and like standing like seven seven and a half feet off the ground, but that was because there had been so much flooding problems in this town that they passed ordinances that said any new construction had to be X amount above the five hundred year f- uh, flood line. Oh wow! Um, so yeah, that's that, that, that's why we were in one that high, but. It was never that bad in that town. It was because the 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 town where my work was was the was the one that got took the direct hit. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, fun with Texas weather. It, it, uh, it does change from year to year. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, and I was talking to um, I've got family down here, my dad's cousins, and they've been saying that just in recent years, the as they've. It, they grew up here and they've seen the weather get more extreme in both directions in terms of heat and cold and mm-hmm. uh, more storms that they say they label as like 10 year or hundred year, whatever happened more frequently than that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's, it, it's uh, interesting stuff from year to year without a doubt. Yeah. On the other hand, uh, a few months before I left Ann Arbor, there was a really bad polar vortex, so bad that I didn't leave the house for two days and work. They told everyone to work from home. And a lot of people actually lost power because the infrastructure couldn't handle that amount of cold. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm making the right choice here. Oh, I, I, I get that too. Uh, worked in Kansas for a little while and uh... Yeah, it, it was not uncommon if a snowstorm uh, pushed through that, oh, yeah, everything's closed down for a couple of days. Oh, this was cold. What uh, was that? This wasn't even snow. This was just dangerously cold temperatures. Ooh. Ooh. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Man, okay. I, I'm, I'm even having a hard time, a hard time imagining it just dipping like that without any snow. Yeah, I mean, there was there was some residual snow on the ground, but it wasn't like paired with a blizzard. It was just the temperatures plus wind chills are going to dip down into like, I think the ambient temperatures were in like the negative teens or possibly even negative 20s and then da- dangerous wind chills like where Fahrenheit meets Celsius, negative 40 <laughs> thereabouts. So so kind of like the, the, the north side of Russia type weather. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Okay. Okay. Yeah, some of my friends uh, did the, you can do all kinds of cool science if you go outside bundled up completely for short periods of time during that. Like they were doing the, um, 
the thing where you toss boiling water and you can put mm -hmm. food in the air or where you blow bubbles and then you can crack them because they freeze. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I remember seeing some videos like that in the past few years. Yeah, that, that, that could be fun without a doubt. Okay, um, well then question number 10. Um, what would you say is both the best and the worst advice you've ever received, not, not just in current career, but just in life? Wow, that's a really good question. I think I re I've received plenty of both. I think, think some bad advice when I was starting to get into security was don't tell people what your degree was in or that you even have a degree. Cause my first degree um, was in gender and women's studies. And there are unfortunately some people in the, in the community and in the industry in general, who are not only kind of, not only kind of biased against that specifically, but just kind of held a bias against um, liberal arts types of degrees in general and felt that they were useless and that having one would not only not be useful, but would be a bit of a liability. Um, and so it did kind of make me nervous for a little while. And I finally, as I started meeting more people in, in security, I realized people came from a lot of different educational backgrounds um, or they didn't have degrees at all. And that some of the stuff that, I, a lot of the stuff that I learned is highly transferable and that I should just kind of own it. And so I've tried to do that, um, you know, regardless of what you learn, you, it's not, it's not even just a matter of like, they teach you how to think it's that you actually do learn transferable things. Like some of the gender studies classes I took were all about sort of analyzing power structures and dynamics between people. And I'm like, who doesn't have to do that when they work in security, whether it's like, how can I, how can I collaborate with this team that we don't really communicate well with one another, but we need to, or mm -hmm. how can I teach this group of people who knows nothing about security about security when it doesn't really necessarily need to be at the forefront of their mind every second of every day. Um, things like that. How do, how do I justify my budget to management <laughs> when I look like a cost center? Um, so things like that. Um, best advice. That's almost a tougher one because it's hard to, I guess, attribute results to what somebody said. But um, so I don't know if it's the best, I wouldn't say best advice, but some good advice that's been sticking in my mind recently. Um, so I've gotten, this is going to take a tangent, but we'll get back here. Um, so since I moved down to Austin, I've gotten back into biking, which I was really into when I was in Madison and I bought a bike. Um, Madison had a lot of off-road trails um, that were old rail corridors. And so it was pretty safe. Austin's been a lot more um, biking on the streets and in traffic and stuff. And so I was with this um, social bike group, a group of us um, were riding to New Orleans and I was just saying like, oh my God, I, I'm really bad at knowing how to weave in and out of traffic and how to like how to not get super terrified when cars are are there and so she started talking about like 
Yeah, I've just got to learn to take up to to take up space and be visible on the road. And when I when I ride, she's like, when I ride out in the middle of the street, I actually feel safer. And even if cars get mad at me for taking up space, this is my space too. And I need to advocate for my needs. And I can do that best by being visible. If I'm kind of standing off to the side, someone might be more likely to hit me, either a car door who doesn't see me or a car that doesn't see me riding out in the middle of the road. And I, I kind of like did this tangent in my mind of like, that's a great kind of, that's a great metaphor for life in general. Um, I think, uh, I don't know, a fair bit of my life in one way or another. And sometimes it's a reflection of the people I've been around. I've felt compelled to not take up any space or advocate for myself. Um, or advocate for my team or um, be um, just kind of take up space with my needs. And um, so that 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 piece of advice of being visible so that you don't get hurt and um, stay uh, taking up the entire lane because it's your lane too, <laughs> mm -hmm. stuck in my head for the past couple of months. That's that, that, that's definitely uh, some Good advice. I think uh, there's more of us out there than not that probably need to hear that on a semi-regular basis, myself included. Yeah, especially for people with like mental health issues, like I can only speak for myself, like having ADHD and anxiety and stuff. It's easy to want to be like, oh, I shouldn't be a burden. Uh, I need to just sh shrink back and accommodate everyone else. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right. Well, we have uh, come to the end of 10 questions. Um, is there uh, anything that you want to tag on the end before we're done? So one question that we pretty much would always ask new hires at my last gig, what is your favorite flavor of ice cream? Oh, and you're asking me that? Yes. And then I'll answer too, if you want. Okay. Um, Say probably in the long run, it was a uh, limited edition Ben and Jerry's that was uh, called Warm Apple Pie. Nice. There was this flavor that's not made anymore from the U University of Wisconsin Dairy School called Coffee and Truffles. It is exactly what it sounds like, and it was delicious, and I miss it. Interesting. Interesting. I, I'm always, I'm always game for new stuff. I, that sounds like something I was, would have been willing to try. Yeah. So where, where did, uh, how did that uh, question play in? Uh, what, what, what was, what was being looked for by asking that question? No, it was just, a, it was just an icebreaker, I guess. Okay. <laughs> Usually people like new hires would say a little spiel about themselves. Like this is my, this is what I was doing before. This is my family's and my interests. And then, I don't know, it just became a running thing. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. And if you, if you ever run across that flavor again, let me know. I definitely, definitely will track it down and try it myself. Yeah. All right. Well, Kat, I appreciate the time so much. Uh, it's, <laughs> it, it's definitely been uh interesting getting to talk to you and uh, i'm glad to have gotten to uh, learn a little bit more about you and uh, definitely uh, hope to run into you at some point in the future absolutely see you around texas